Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Anyone who's heard the Now I See podcast has heard the voice of our songbird, Rebecca Salazar, whose instrumental and vocal talents start and end our show each week. We are so grateful to have you in the studio today. Welcome, Rebecca. Well, thank you, Kit. I appreciate the invitation. (laughs) Rebecca is a licensed clinical social worker, and she's here today in advance of Mental Health Month to talk about mental health challenges people are facing in these difficult days of global transition and change. Learning to overcome big changes in her life gave her empathy for others who are trying to cope with big changes of their own. She grew up in a farming community in Indiana in a family of four sisters. And then, at the worst possible time to move and leave your friends and extended family behind, the spring before her senior year of high school, they moved to Texas. She graduated, enrolled in Houston Baptist University, where she met her husband, Joel, and went on to earn degrees from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and University of Houston. She's logged literally thousands of hours of practice as a counselor and coach. And she's probably logged an equal amount of time at a keyboard or behind a microphone working in music ministry with her husband, Joel, who we featured on the Now I See podcast in March. Together, they have three adult children, As a counselor, you are usually the one asking the questions, Rebecca, and it will be so fun for me to turn the tables on you today and have you answer some of my questions. I see you as thoughtful, compassionate, resourceful, and helpful. Your humility may be one of the things I admire most about you. How do you see yourself? Well, I appreciate that. My head, I think I'll be able to get out the door. No, No. I I think... uh, when we moved to Texas, I think that's what let me know, well, you're the one that's different. You're the one that needs to get along. You know, you need to fit in. You need to kind of make your mark in the new area because it's out of my comfort zone for sure, you know. And so in Indiana, I had my church there. I had my family and all that influence there. My Even my grandparents lived not too far from us. And so, you know, it was, it was a totally different uh environment for me you know when I went to school as a senior I think we had talked about this before you know I I had gone to a whole school of about 400 moved into a class of 400 and almost 500 and so to find your niche in there and to do the things that you needed to do and you know it, it kind of tested my faith just a little bit at that age you know I thought you know I really depended a lot on God to get me through and it wasn't that it was a terrible time but I had some choices that I had to make that maybe I wouldn't have had to otherwise so I think that helped me along the way that kind of surprises me because you're a people person and you're and you're a performer I mean you've been all over the place you've seen a lot of places you've met a lot of people and yet moving was a challenge it was a little bit of a challenge because we came down it's not that we came down all at once no you know, so that was different. So I was the oldest child that came down with my father and another sister. And so we were like that for three months because mom stayed in Indiana to sell the house and all that. So it was a little bit different perspective. You know, I was kind of like mama, you know, and I'd been, put. you know, I was, yeah, I knew how to cook. I knew how to clean I knew all that, but it was just, that was my role now, you know, 
and that was different. It was kind of fun on the side. I think I told you this, but my dad would come out for work and he'd have some awful combination of a tie and a shirt and all that. <laughs> and so my sister and I would say, Dad, you cannot go to work like that. <laughs> Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to. So anyway, so, you know, it's just things like that. It was kind of out of my comfort zone just a little bit. So do you think that being out of your comfort zone made you sensitive to other people who are struggling? Or were you the girl that everybody always came to, to talk to for a counsel advice? Because I was the one in high school that everybody, you know, in Indiana, that everybody came to talk to, you know. And I never did go to the parties. I never did all that. But they were always the ones that came to talk to me, you know. And then... Um, it was, it was, yeah, I, I think that was kind of both. And then when I moved here, it was like, I can really, I can really get it now, you know. So do you think that's what made you decide to pursue counseling or do you think counseling found you? I think counseling found me because actually I was going to come, you know, music was always a part of my life. And so, I mean, our family would sing at church, we'd sing in the community together as a family and do things like that. And so I was going to come down and I was going to sing in revivals. That's what I was going to do with my Which life. was a huge thing at the time. It, it, it was, was a real possibility. Yeah. And you sang with some pretty impressive groups. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of fun. I mean, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And so, uh, so I came down and as a senior in high school, I inter- uh, auditioned for voice lessons at Houston Baptist. And the teacher there said, I don't usually take high school students, but I'll take you if you'll think about, because I wasn't even thinking about going to college. I was just going around saying, well, if you'll consider going to college, you know, I'll teach you and all that. And so just evolved. And and then on to seminary, I wasn't, you know, I had my, the, we had a Sunday school workers banquet. And one of the, the speaker was the dean of religious education at that time. And I was asked to be the entertainment before he came to sing. So after the 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 pro, we ate and I did the program. After everything he spoke, he came. Well, have you ever thought about coming to seminary? And I said, Well, I've thought about it, but I'd have to work a year and you know try to raise some money. He said, Well, what if I offered you a job and I offered you a place to live? Wow. So I was his one of his secretaries. And, and he had a rent house and there were four other women in there going to seminary and I rented a room. Okay. That's shocking because at the time that you were doing that, there weren't a lot of women in seminary. That's changed a lot now, Uh but it was different then. Well, it was, it was different. It is different now than it was then, but it was interesting. They had a music school there. And so that was some of it, but I, some of them, a lot of the women were there and they were going out to be missionaries. So that was the focus. Now, I was going to be religious education. That's what my focus was. Because I already had the music. You know, uh, Joel and I were dating then. And so he was going to be the music man, you know. And so, anyway, that's what, in my mind, that's what it was. So we, we always worked together, which mm-hmm. was really well. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 and then so we did, it was just kind of fit. It was kind of a natural thing. So you were going to pursue Christian education. How do you use Christian education in the work you're doing today? All the time. I mean, I use it because a lot of our strength and a lot of our courage and our identity and who we are is in Christ. And so that is the true hope that we have in this world. And so even when it's associated with non-Christian people, they see that 
and they know that. I mean, you know, it's, it's innate in us. And it's my belief that we know the good and the bad. We know that influence and we, and and the effect that it can have on us. So is it in seminary that you changed your focus, or did counseling happen later? Counseling happened later. Tell because, me how that happened. Okay, so we had moved to Livingston to be at a Central Baptist Church there, and uh, I, a lot of these women were coming to me and asking me for advice and counsel and all that. I thought, you know, I'm giving my advice, and I think it's godly advice, but maybe I ought to think about getting some expertise and education behind that a little bit. And so it worked out. So I did it incrementally. You know, I found out what the requirements were. So I said, okay, if I can get through statistics, which is a miracle in and of itself, I can take it to the next step. So I got God, by the grace of God, I got through statistics. And so I went on, I studied at Houston Baptist University. I'm sorry, excuse me, University of Houston <laughs> at this point, <laughs> years later. And I got my um, master's in social work. And then I went on to get my clinical social work license to be a counselor. So were you able to serve as a counselor at your church or with a religious uh, counseling practice? With the community, that was the goal. But uh, the churches were going to come together, and I was going to start a a counseling service there. But because of... And when we got into the nitty-gritty of it and they started looking at their the taxes and all the rules and stuff, that never happened. And so that part has not happened, but that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. So I've taken a turn, and that has not been something that has happened in my life. So I figured, you know, that's not God's direction at this point. Well, I think there's some challenges inherent to Christian counseling. Yes. Um, one of the big ones being that a lot of Christians believe that Jesus fixes everything, and so you shouldn't need counseling. If you just right. prayed more, if you had more faith, if you were, uh, if you studied the Bible better, that all those things you could fix yourself. Right. You just need to put forth the effort. In, in an ideal world, yes, I think that could probably work. But we don't live in an ideal mm-hmm. world. We live in a fallen world. And there are so many things that so many things that hit at us and come at us and sometimes it can be overwhelming and we don't know how to deal with it. The best Christian, quote unquote, has problems as well. We all have we all have things that we struggle with. Absolutely. I mean life happens to Christians and non Christians. We have health issues and financial issues and relational issues and um, you know, unmet expectations and lots of things that would um stop us in our tracks and maybe um, bring damage to our Christian faith, cause us to doubt. And so um, I think that it's important to address those things. But there is another component to mental and emotional health, and that's uh, just chemical. I mean, if somebody had a broken arm, you wouldn't hesitate to say, let's go to the hospital and have this fixed. But often in the Christian community, and maybe this is true outside the Christian community too, I don't know, when people have broken minds because of chemicals, either ones that they're taking with prescriptions, right. ones that are recreational, or just a chemical imbalance. That's just the way that their body, their body doesn't produce the chemicals they need. Um, and it takes somebody with a trained eye to be able to recognize that. Yes. So um, speak to the need for Christian counseling. Why should Christians support this? Well, I think it's very important because, for one... You want to show that there is hope and they can overcome with help the issues that they're facing. 
and they don't need if it's recreationally. You know, you think about COVID. You think about globally what's happening now. And, and I dare say three years ago, and this may not be kosher, but I could walk in my neighborhood and not smell marijuana. Mm. And I walk in my neighborhood now, and I, that's very abundant, and I smell that. And, and, and to me, that's people coping with not being able to get out, not being able to do the things that they want to do, having, you know, not being able to do, make money, make ends meet, whatever. And that's that stress, the isolation causes that to happen. And so I think Christian counseling, even in the form of online, the way that's been opening up, that's been a godsend. Thank I'm you, God. I'm loving that too. Because you can do that privately yes, where people don't do have that to that privately, see. exactly. And there's not that stigma attached to it. And I'm a firm believer in our mind is such an important part of what we, how we remember. I mean, we, we have our experiences, but our thoughts implant those memories in our brain. And that can be a blessing, but it also can be a curse. And it takes that work to reprogram your brain and have those those isolation, those problems, all that to reprogram them where you're not going to forget them, but you're learning from it and you can move past it and move on. Now, clinically, that's a little bit different. Now, if you have a chemical imbalance in your right, body right. and all that's different, but right now, in my, with the people that I'm working with, most of them are not clinically depressed or, you know, it's, it's the things that have hap- are happening around them. Now, as the effects of their recreational and their prescription, all that happens, I think you, we might see a turn in that just a little bit. I'm not sure. I'm not a predictor, but I mean, that seems logical to me. The result of using those things over time, that can be problematic. Well, in addition to that, too, a lot of people found they either had more time on their hands and so they developed other addictions, um, addictions yes. to binge watching TV or to video games. And and it's been scientifically shown how uh, those kinds of addictions alter neural pathways within the brain and reshape the way that you not only take in information but process information. And so, you know, in an ever-changing cultural climate, um, you know, we have we have so many factors that we need to take into consideration when we talk about mental health. Yes, and the thing about Christian counseling, there's one constant, and yes. that's Jesus Christ. Yes. And, and that's the importance of it. If we can... And, and, and they can experience that in their counseling. That's that's a life changer right there, you know. And that, that can, I mean, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And so, yes, it's important. And, you know, we were talking earlier when we were meeting about, you know, I hear all the time that, oh, the organ, organized religion I don't like. I don't like the organized religion. Well, that's, I, I, I understand where they're coming from, but also that's an excuse on the other end. But at the same time, it's not about organized religion. It's about a relationship. Yes. And so that's the focus. And, and that's what Christian counseling can do. And if it needs to be apart from the building, that's fine. Because the building is not the church either. Good. You know. But, you know, if we can connect people with those the right people to give them the help that they need, that's going to change their life forever.
Absolutely. So we've had some previous guests. Rick Danielson was one of them. Becky Reif was another who were formerly addicted. And until they decided they didn't want those consequences for those decisions anymore, and until they met the person of Jesus, they couldn't find their way out. What advice would you give to people who are struggling? I would just say, don't discount it. What do you have to lose to try at least to find out about it and to give it a chance? Good. Well, listeners, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a moment with our guest today, Becky Salazar. As Rebecca has noted, changes are inevitable. It's what we do with them that matters. Now I see is growing and expanding, and we are excited about the changes we are experiencing, and we hope you are too. The new four-week Bible study, focusing on our theme for this month, Honor, comes out this week. Be sure to sign up for that if you haven't already. You can do that on our website at nis.media, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Drop us a line on any of our social media outlets at nowicpod.com. And then go straight to your favorite podcast host and leave us a good rating and review. I hope you enjoyed our conversation last week with David Mast and his brave approach to conquering fear. Next week, we'll hear Sarah Roberts' amazing story of cancer, infertility, and adoption. A parenting journey that will stir your heart right in time for Mother's Day. Now, back to our guest today, licensed counselor, Rebecca Salazar. We are back from our break. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for the second half of our show. So we were talking about uh, Rebecca's journey as a counselor, how she came to be a counselor. Now we're going to turn the corner a little bit and talk about another aspect of her ministry. Talk to us about your coaching. Okay. Well, I was exposed to coaching probably a couple of years ago, and it was something that was really intriguing to me. So I decided to get some some continue education on that to get some more information. And I really like the concept. So for example, where therapy is more, you diagnose a problem, you, you uh, find out client's strengths to try to help that client uh, develop coping skills to overcome that problem so they won't have it as much. And, and a lot of times it's something that they come back to and get like a jump start or whatever. Uh, coaching you take, it's a little bit different because you take the client's goal and, and, you, and you work toward that goal. And while you may have to work through some past things to, to make it to their goal, it's a transformational thing more. And, and once, you, once you acquire those skills and once you acquire that knowledge, usually you don't have to come back and get a jump start. So that appealed to me. Because, and usually coaching is, it tends to be more positive in nature, and, and I'm a more positive person. I mean, who, who wants to be with somebody that's in the <laughs> blues and, you know, and, and, and granted that you get people that come to you with that. Of course. But then you work them through that right. and give them the skills. And the thing that, that's really come to my attention, and we've talked about this before too, is 
the brain, we talked about that before break a little bit, how it's so instrumental in changing your outlook on things. And from the Christian perspective, you know, the Bible talks about taking every thought captive to, to God, to Christ, and then renewing your mind daily, you know, and, and all that. So it's, it's very, being grateful. is yes, a huge mood. That, exactly. And so it's very, very biblical mm-hmm. to do that. And so that's another thing that just really just hit me that why can't we do this? And so I'm really excited about it because I've, I've started it recently and uh, I'm I actually, I'm, I'm still in training, but I'm through the training part of it. So I'm just getting started doing it. And it's just, I've seen the transformation. Uh, just to give you a couple examples, uh, I'm seeing a person who had been married for 16 years in kind of a, a very challenging relationship, needs not being met, and... Uh, but she was a Christian and she came up from the perspective, well, I just, divorce is just not in my DNA, right. you know, and I just, I just couldn't do that. But then it just came to a head. And so, and everything's turned into, you know, the community she was in, this person is very well known. So it's, they're, he's very well liked. And so it's like, okay, so it's all your fault. It's yes. all your, so all this bang, 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 bang down her and so her self-esteem as you can imagine is just down it's, everything's my fault and so we're we're starting to talk about okay what is all that clutter going on in your mind okay. and so she's just now beginning to realize what that is because she's able to talk with somebody that and her goal is she's wanting to move forward with her life but she's stuck Yes, and I think that's where a lot of people that come for counseling or coaching find themselves. They need a fresh perspective. They've, they've done everything they know to do, and they've run out of options. And so they're looking for somebody to look at it with fresh eyes and offer a different approach or a different strategy or something else they might try. Exactly. And and the, the concept that, that I've come, well, I haven't come up with, it's not unique to me, but there's models out there that you can follow. And if you think your thoughts are so connected to your feelings... Your feelings are so connected to your actions and the result you get. And so if you can, if you can be aware, become aware of what is that thought and what are the feelings that are a result of that, and because of how I feel, what do I do? And then what's the result? Usually it comes right back to that thought. The mm-hmm. result and the thought are so, such the same that you think, and once you see that, it's like, wow. So that's where I need to start. But it's so hard. It is so hard. Because I think a lot of us carry around um, a lot of negative self-talk and false thinking. Um, either things that people have spoken over us. You're not pretty. You're not smart. You're, you know, you'll never be anything. Um, and we believed it. Or we assumed other people were thinking about that. And then when we failed, we thought, well, see, there you go. It was proven. Um, so to... To take that thought captive and turn it into the truth. I am seen. I am known. I am loved, mm-hmm. um, especially by the Lord who made and created me. You know, other people may not see it, but that doesn't negate the value of that truth. Exactly. Um, and so to be able to speak to that. Um, and then to you and I grew up and and I imagine uh, several of the people that you work with grew up in a culture where feelings weren't as important as facts. And so um, people... Um, 
had to come to decisions apart from their feelings, or they were labeled hysterical or overreacting just for feeling their feelings. And so how do you encourage people to, two things, A, think better thoughts, and B, manage their feelings or use their feelings in a way that um, brings healing instead of hurt? Okay, that's a good question. So let's take Let's take the second one. How do you get people to realize their feelings? Okay. I, I've learned that there, and, and practiced that there's four pillars of emotional intelligence. One is self-awareness. One is regulation. One is empathy. And then social skills. Good. And so what, what you need to do, the first part of that is what we're talking about with the emotion. It's, it's okay to feel emotion. And you need to sit with that emotion and figure out where that's coming from, what are the thoughts that are coming out of that. And then once you've determined that, it's okay, I don't need to sit there and mull over it and stay there. I'm going to self-regulate. What am I going to do to get out of that now? Okay. So I can either, I can't change, I can only change what's in my control to change for one. And then it's, okay, what is that thought that I'm having? Is that something that I have control over and I can change? And usually I can, or I can change my part in it. So how do I want to think about that now? So that changes my perspective. So if I have this negative feeling, this is what I feel now, I'm worthless. I'm worthless. Well... I may be having challenges in some areas, but I am a child of the king, and I'm, I'm a very valuable person. So that's going to change my feeling. Yes, or at least a platform from yes, which you to, can view. Exactly. That's a good starting yeah. point from there. I think a lot of people get stuck thinking that emotions are bad or that some emotions are bad. Anger is not bad if you're angry about the right things. Sorrow is not bad if you're sad about the right things. You can laugh at stuff and it can be completely inappropriate or you can laugh about the right things. And so I think that we can, as humans, experience a whole range of emotions and that doesn't make the emotions good or bad. It's how we process them and what we do with them as a result, I think, is where a lot of people get hung up. Would you agree? Yes, and I think a good example of that is anger and anxiety Good. Tell you something is not right. Good. And, you know, that's what we're seeing so much of in our culture is anger and anxiety just working itself out in so many ways. Increased in addictions, as you mentioned earlier. Cities burning down. People uh, walking off the jobs because I just feel like they deserve better. Um, A sense of entitlement. So we're seeing anger and anxiety coupled together in a dangerous cocktail. How do we unwind from that? What do we do with those emotions? Realization is the first thing. And again, that comes into why are we feeling that? And let's write all that down. I mean, let's own it. And look at you know, it. Yeah. And look Good. at it. I tell people if they, if they write it down and they physically see it, they can either say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard or I ever thought I would think. That's and that's true. so simple. But it it's is. really so easy to do. It and, is. And it's so simple that we don't think to do it. But what a great tool that is. Give us some other tools. And another one is to say, okay, so so once I get it down there, you know, is it because, are there other things that are affecting that? Like, for example, am I not getting enough sleep? Good. Am I not eating well? Am I, am I just kind of in the doldrums? So when I'm feeling bad, that means I'm tired. 
but when I sleep, I'm not getting enough rest. I still feel tired. And so then I don't want to see anybody. So I get caught in that cycle. Yes. Easy so what, so what am I going to do? Well, you're not going to get motivated to do something before you start doing it. So pick something. I mean, it could be get some mental activity. It could be putting a puzzle together. It could be uh, sitting down, listening to music. It could be uh, writing something down. You know, uh, some people express themselves through poetry. Some people draw. Some mm -hmm. people, you know, trying to express yourself through different things. You know, start a gratitude journal. For every negative thing you think, write down at least one thing that you have gratitude. It's a positive affirmation of yourself. Gratitude that you have for something. You know, there's always something you can be grateful for. At least I had some food to eat today. At least the sun was shining today. I have my pet here that I can cuddle. Or I talked to a friend. Or a friend called me out of the blue that I'd lost contact with, something. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And that's the hardest thing to start. We can always write negative things down, but it's hard to write positive things. Uh -huh. So that's a skill. You've got to start doing that. And once you get into that mode, keep that notebook. Yes. Because that's something you can go back to and you can, yeah, I did experience that. There is hope. I am grateful for this. Uh -huh. It's not hopeless. Uh -huh. You know. Starting a gratitude journal for me was so important because that way I woke up every day with an expectation that I'm going to have to write something in this journal today. So I better start looking because I don't want to end the day and not have anything to write down. And when I began to look for things for which I could be grateful, it changed everything for me. Yeah. And that's kind of that, you know, once you become aware of the bad things, you start becoming aware of the gratitude things. And then that kind of helps you in the self-regulation. Yes, I think so What too. am I going to do about it? And then I can start having empathy for others, you know, because I understand where they are. You know, maybe my husband that's popping off at me, maybe it's not me at all, yeah. you know, or, you know, it's, it's totally, you know, if, and it, if it's not my fault, if I don't know it's my fault, if I don't know I'm doing something, I need to know if it's not me, then how can I help him? It's that communication, Good. Good. you know, but I'm only in control of what I can control in my life. I'm in control of me. Lord knows I've tried to be controlling of <laughs> other people. Know. It never it works doesn't. out. Well. It comes back to bite us, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> every time. So, and, and I think who am I to be in control of anybody? I can hardly control myself. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's really important, I think, to get, know the basics. And a lot of these things we know. But I think we forget, you know, let me, let me not eat those, which, you know, let me, let me get those, that sugar in there. Well, maybe, maybe it's a strawberry, maybe it's an apple and, and maybe it's a, a water with a flavor in it. There's no calories in it, but instead of the Coke, instead of the soda or whatever, you know, we, we get to be in the, getting those habits and it's hard to get out of it. Well, I think there's something wonderful about being able to take back control of your life. I think that when people are fearful and when they're anxious and they're angry, they've given away all their control and they, they feel like everything's out of control. And so to be able to find one place where they do have control, I can control this thought. I can control this behavior. I may not be able to control my kids or my neighbors or that, that noisy car down the street or, you know, um, but this one thing I can start yes. there. Well, and you don't have the confidence 
when you're beat down so much to start right. that. Right. But so what I tell people is sometimes you have to not pretend, but you have to kind of, okay, confidence is over here. So I'm going to go there and then little by little, I'm going to catch up. Good. And so, so you have to kind of work in the framework that I have that confidence. And then as you start seeing those successes, you're going to start check, catching up. And I tell people all the time, you know, if, if you're down so low, you're not going to expect to get better the next day. It's going to take a while. You're going to make some progress. I was talking with somebody today and it's like, well, I feel like I've really had a better week this week. I really feel like I'm making some progress. And I said, great, that's wonderful. Now, I want to I wanna just remind you that we're looking at the long haul. You're gonna, I guarantee you, you're going to wake up and there are going to be days that, that you're kind of falling back a little bit. You're just coming down a step or two. That's fine. That's normal. Satan sees those chinks. We let those chinks come in and, 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 and it, it can be filled by negative things so fast. So it's just, okay, how can we, let's realize that that's going to happen and that's okay. Because we're working day by day. We're renewing our mind day by day. Sometimes it's every second of every second, you know, but honestly, and some things you have to remind yourself over and over and over again, because it's been programmed for so long that you have to, it's a conscious thing. But I tell people all the time, if you realize you're thinking something or doing something while you're doing it, that's what they call dual awareness. And it's, that helps that subside a little bit. Over time, the more that that happens, you know it's happening and it's not going to affect you as much over time. I like that. So having taken those small victories and letting them build one on top of another until you get where you want to be. You know, I hate that idea of fake it till you make it. It seems so inauthentic, but there's a reason people say that. You know, when you, when you want to be an honest person, you begin by not telling lies in this situation and also that one and also that one until you become an honest person. If you want to take control of your diet, then you don't eat those Oreos right now, you know, and you don't drink that Coke right now in one victory after another, because you want, you want something more. You want to be the person that you, you know, that you envision that you could be. And if you realize you have a step back and say, oh, I had that Coke today, don't beat yourself up for it. Right. Tomorrow's there is a tomorrow. new day. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And just work on those, those gratitudes, those affirmations. I did it today. I can do it again. Yes. You yes. Know. And, and it is. It's those small increments. I mean, you can't live your whole life in one day, but you can live it day by day. And yeah. I think that's, that's healthy. It's a healthy perspective, and that's a good way to build on your success. And I would say another thing is... You have habits and you have things you enjoy doing, uh, uh, hobbies, I meant to say, not habits necessarily, uh, hobbies that, you know, for me, it's music. You know, I, when I talk to people, I'll say, um, do you play an instrument? Do you like to sing? Do you like to listen? You know, I play the radio. Well, that's great too. So use that. Don't put, when you're sad, don't put on a song that it's going to be just melancholy and you know, a breakup and, you know, do Oh, uh, well, I have done that. <laughs> not hard. for weeks at a time, yeah. but because I want to feel all the feels, <laughs> but I'm not going to still be doing that two weeks from and now. And that's okay. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit too. Feel your feeling, you know, and then get over it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But don't stay there. No. So you pick something. Stuck. Yeah. Pick Sucks something bad. that's going to uh, uplift you 
and really speak to you. It may not make you happy, happy, but it's, it's inspirational. It's something that gives you encouragement. It's something that I can do this. Absolutely. If you play an instrument, if you, I know for me, a lot of times I'll just, when I'm feeling down, I'll just go to the piano and just play and I'll go through some music and, and that I haven't played for a while just to get my, Mm -hmm. because that's a way of grounding yourself as well. And if you don't play an instrument, if you don't, you know, maybe something is easy. If you're, if you're at work and something happens that you just get so frustrated and you want to cry or whatever, you know, excuse yourself, go to the restroom and say, use like, use like the five, four, three, two, one technique. What are five things I see around me that are, that are black or what are, four things I see that are wood or, you know, what are three things that I smell? What are, you know, and then once you get to, what are two things that I hear, you know, and then, then take a deep breath and try, because what that does is that brings you to the present. Yes. And what's happening is you're getting, you're getting activated you're, like, you're, you're getting amygdala. out of your head. Yeah, you're getting in your head. You're, that amygdala in the back of your brain that's saying fight or flight is saying, oh, fly, you don't want to get eaten by that tiger. We talked about that before, sure. too. So when you have that and you can't you can't get out of that to think, and logically your brain, your thinking part of your brain is at the front, and so you have to center that. You have to do that. And maybe I told somebody the other day, count backwards by odd numbers. You know, start at 500. You know, something to distract you, to get you back into the present. Yes. And that can help you calm down. But anything that can give you more getting out of that that, that anxiety, that that flight, you know, that's, that's, that's helpful. I think you've given us a bunch of helpful tips today, and I hope that you'll come back and do it again, because I imagine there are people listening today who said, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I just needed that fresh perspective. If people want to continue the conversation, how can they find you? What you can do is you can look online. I'm associated with, I've got a website associated with Simple Practice, and so it's an online therapy, online coaching, and my my, um, username is, well, my website is HTTPS colon two forward slashes r-e-b-e-c-c-a dash s-a-l-a-z-a-r rebecca salazar dot client c-l-i-e-n-t s-e-c-u-r-e secure dot me so let me read it again. It's kind of long. Sorry. <laughs> we will have it in our show notes. So if anybody's oh, driving and listening to this, good. panic not. You can check the show notes later. <laughs> so that will get you to where you can request an appointment with me. And, and I do consults free of charge. And we can talk about it more. And to see if coaching is something that you feel like is, is for you at the moment. I love that. Um, are there also resources there, or would they need to contact you for they specific They would have to resources. contact me because it's it, it, several people use oh, okay. that platform. Okay. So, Very yeah. good. As we close out our show today, is there anything you'd like people to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? I would just like for people to know that you are not, what you are experiencing is is normal. You know, it, it, it may the circumstances may be unique to you, but what you're feeling is normal and you don't have to go through it alone. Find somebody that you feel like you can trust, seek out people that you can talk to that can lead you. And if you feel like you are in a bad way and you feel like you might do something to yourself or somebody else, 
go to an emergency room and just get that taken care yes, of. Yes, they're trained to help. Yeah, and they're trained to help. And then once you get that taken care of, they can recommend or you can come on with me. I would be love to talk to you about how we could work together to, to help you meet your goals and live the best life you can live. Well, thank you so much. I've certainly enjoyed this conversation today. I hope our listeners have too. And we look forward to having you back again. Thank you, Kit. I appreciate it. Thanks. And listeners, we'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.